to The Garden Angelist, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. My name is Carol Michael, and I'm with... Dean Ash. How are you, Carol? I hear you got some leaf guilt. I do. I have leaf guilt. I The other day, it was above freezing, a beautiful day, and I thought I really should go out and clean up the leaves off the lawn in the front. I'm not as particular in the back. And I felt guilty because I didn't. So my leaves are still blowing all over the neighborhood. Oh, well, I guess everyone will live. They will. And you know what? I found out. I drive around now, and all I do is look to see who has leaves and who doesn't have leaves. And it seems like everybody has leaves. And I think that fall was just short and quick, and nobody had time to clean up the leaves before they put up their Christmas lights. So I guess we're just going to let them blow away. Well, the same thing happened here. Fall was pretty short and sweet, and we just got our leaves up. Well, we had to do them twice because we did them once because most of the leaves were gone. You know, I have two leaf falls. And then my poor son and husband worked on them. And then the next week, we had a, oh, that night we had a huge windstorm, huge. And guess what happened? All the leaves that stay on in spring fell off. So we did the leaves again last week, too. Yeah, so I don't have as much leaf guilt as I did have before. Good. No one should carry around guilt. No. So, want to talk about flowers now? Sure, let's talk about flowers. We get a lot of questions this time of year on how do I get my amaryllis to rebloom, my orchid to rebloom, my poinsettia to turn red again. So I thought I'd address that as quickly as I can in a podcast. Let's start with orchids. For years, orchids were a complete and total mystery to me. I'd bring them home, I'd chop off those bloom stalks when they were done, and then eventually I'd throw them in the trash because I could not get them to rebloom, actually in the compost pile. And so I was really frustrated about this. I asked, I looked it up online, I couldn't find any answers, and then finally I talked to our friend Fairgarden, who used to write Fairgarden blog, and she said, oh, all you need to have um, them rebloom is you just make sure they get 10 degrees less at night. So I thought, well, okay, am I going to have to dedicate a room to this? Because, you know, we keep our temperature of our houses pretty even. No, I don't. Because what I do is I stick them in an east or a west window. And what happens is in the daytime, it warms up to be warmer. And at night, it goes down at least 10 degrees because I've had five or six of them rebloom now for the last three years. So I'm doing pretty well. It does take a long time to get them to rebloom. You know, that's a good tip. Um, Those east and west windows are excellent for that. The one thing I would add to that is when you put the plants in the windowsill like that, don't let the leaves touch the glass because that glass gets much, much colder and it can actually, um, they can freeze a little bit against that glass. Yeah, that's a great idea for winter. Also, in the summer, it could get too hot, frankly, in the west window. Yes. So oh, there you go. Oh, definitely a west window. So what about the amaryllis? So let's talk about amaryllis. Okay, so here's the deal about amaryllis. Amaryllis are a little more complicated than orchids. So what you need to do with an amaryllis is once, you, once it finishes blooming, first of all, once each individual bloom stops, because if you have a nice big bulb, you're going to get four blooms per stalk. Okay, so per stem. So when the first two start to die, you chop them off. And then when the other two die, you chop the whole thing off and you just go to leaves. And then sometimes you'll get another bloom stalk out of your amaryllis bulb. I usually get two out of those big bulbs. 
Then you take your amaryllis bulb, and once you've cut off the bloom stalks, you just leave it there and take care of it. And then you can move it outside in the summer as long as you remember to water it fairly regularly. You can feed it a little bit of fertilizer if you want to, but I don't really. And then the big thing you have to remember is if you want it to bloom again by Christmas, bring it inside on September 1st and stick it in a closet or somewhere that it's dark. And then as those leaves start to die off, then cut them off. And then just wait, and you set your, you can set your phone or write it on a calendar or something that in six to eight weeks, you need to bring it out of that closet. Do not water it while it's in the closet. Bring it out, water it one time, and then wait for the greenery to come out. Now, this is not a perfect system because sometimes you will get just leaves anyway because maybe the amaryllis bulb didn't want to do its thing, and that's okay. Um, sometimes you'll get one that will rot because it got too much water down in that center part, but a lot of times it will bloom and it'll bloom beautifully for you and you can overwin them year after year. Now the Illinois extension will tell you that you have to take out the bulbs, lay them on their sides, not have them in the pots. There's, it's really complicated. The truth is I've never done that. I leave them in the pots. What do you do? Or have you ever done this? Well, I still have mine growing with foliage, as you know, and I actually have several side shoots coming up, so I think my bulb is trying to send up little bulbs because it's, you know, it's still doing a lot of uh, foliage growing. So I need to, I need to cut it off and set it back in the closet. But I think since it's getting too close to Christmas, I'm gonna keep watering it like it's a house plant until next September 1st. Then I'm gonna cut it off, and I'm gonna put it in the closet where I keep Christmas decorations. And that'll remind me to take it out at right before, when I take out my Christmas decorations, start watering it, and then I will hopefully have blooms at Christmas time. That's a great idea. Okay, you want to move on to poinsettias? Yes, that is the the tricky, tricky, tricky one. Yeah, I think poinsettias are the hardest ones to get to, not really rebloom because, as you know, the part that turns red or pink or whatever color your poinsettia is, that's called a. Bract. It is not the actual bloom. The actual bloom are the little yellow things at the top of the bracts of the what look like blooms. So what you're doing is you're trying to get those bracts to turn red or whatever color. All right, to do this, it's a little complicated. First of all, you have to take that poinsettia, poinsettia and take care of it all summer long, the rest of winter and all summer. And what happens to your poinsettias after Christmas time? Do they um, lose? They get their... neglected, <laughs> and I forget to water them. And then after a while, I think mm, I think I'll just throw this away and get me some Valentine's plants. It's exactly what happens to mine too. Um, I have only overwintered one once, and I'll be honest, I did not get it to turn colors. And here's why. All right, to get it to turn colors in mid to late. October, you have to bring the, you have to take those poinsettias and either cover them with a plastic bag or stick them in a closet for 14 hours a day. That means at about 5 p.m., you cover your poinsettia up every single day and then you uncover it in the morning about 8 a.m. Now, between you and me, are you going to do that? No. Because here's the deal if you miss one time, one time and it gets that sunlight, it is not going to turn colors. That's why there are specialized 
poinsettia growers because they have greenhouses that they just cover the whole things and keep them in perfect darkness for that 14 hours a day. But assuming you want to do this, you do that every single day until mid-November. In mid-November, you might start to see a little bit of color. And then by early December, you'll see real color. And then you can start all over. Or you can be like me and you go to your local nursery or to the hardware store this year and you buy yourself some specialized poinsettia or red poinsettia, whatever you're into, and you bring it in your house and you enjoy it. And then what happens to it after Christmas? You neglect it again and throw it away. Exactly, which is my suggestion. But, you know, if you want to do it, this is how you do it. I have another idea. Okay. You Well, it's sort of a half idea, um, half-baked, but a lot of my ideas are half-baked. <laughs> if you are successful in keeping it watered and alive through the wintertime, and the trick to that is get rid of that foil liner that they've put it in. That thing is holding water, and they do not like to have wet feet. No. So presuming that you've kept it nice and watered correctly and it's a nice foliage plant by spring, I always have visions that I would use the foliage plant in my containers outside as foliage filler. But that never seems to happen either. Well, here's the thing. You know, they're euphorbias. And so euphorbias really don't like wet feet. And so I don't know if, I mean, they might work in a container. I know some people in Oklahoma plant them outside. And some way, I bet we hear from some listeners who bring theirs back inside and get them to turn colors. But personally, just not that into it. In fact, I would love to hear from a listener who has successfully gotten their poinsettia to color up again in the fall. I would love to hear. Because, you know, we would... uh, We'd probably send them a prize or something. Yeah, we probably would send them a prize because if they were able to do that all by themselves, I'm really impressed. Go them. That's true. Which reminds me, I haven't bought a poinsettia yet because I'm always looking for one that's special. Like the day I walked into a a store and there was a variegated leaf poinsettia, and so, of course, I bought that one. I always look for weird ones, too, and weird's probably not the right word, but unique varieties, if we were talking in the trade. Um, I This year, I got a winter rose one, which has those really beautiful bracts that look like individual little flowers, and then I also went by Ace Hardware, of all places, and they had a Jingle Bells Rock, a Jingle Bells Rock poinsettia, which is the one that has the splotchy leaves. And it is beautiful. Oh, I like that one. Oh, beautiful, beautiful plant. And I found one for my mom, which is the pink one with the kind of, you know, yellow edges, creamy yellow edges. And that one was pretty, too. Cheap. Those are pretty. I don't like the ones that they paint blue and purple or the ones they put all the sparkles on. They put glitter. You aren't into the glittered poinsettias. I'm not into the glittered poinsettias, and I'm not into the waxed amaryllis either. I started quite the conversation on Facebook about that this week. Yeah, the waxed amaryllis amaryllis for people is they dip the bulb in wax, and then you can presumably grow the flower without ever having to pot that thing up or water it. It just blooms. But as you found out from all your friends, it's hard to keep it upright. Yeah, they fall over. Which, let's just point out, the amaryllis often fall over in pots, but you stake them. But there's no way to stake a waxed bulb. Yeah, I am reminded of the time I've planted the amaryllis in the the cheap plastic pot that they sometimes come with. 
And then one day you walk in and it's laying on its side because it just got top heavy and, and fell over. The whole entire pot, not just the amaryllis. The whole entire pot. <laughs> so do plant the amaryllis in a heavy pot because it's going to be a top heavy plant. And stake it. You can find a lot of things on Pinterest. I've shared some and a lot of other people too. They've shared about how they made their, you know, stake their amaryllis so it looks really good. And it's beautiful. But I just don't get. Now, I will say, having said all that, the mo- the ones that are covered with moss, have you seen those? I'm sure they're waxed yes. too. Those are very pretty. Yes. But you know what they're selling those for? Like 35 bucks a piece. No? No, that's not. No, no. We're frugal gardeners. We're more frugal than that. <laughs> yeah, well, I just laugh because people see what we spend on gardening and they'll say, you guys are not frugal gardeners, not at all. Well, we don't spend no $35 per bulb. That's silly. No. So you want to move on and talk about veggies? Yes, let's talk about veggies. Well, it's wintertime, you know. So let's talk about seeds a little bit. I think that sounds more fun. So some people do have seed guilt, and they look at all the seeds they bought last year that never got planted or sown out. And I would tell those people, if you keep them in a cool, dry place, those seeds are probably still okay for this next spring. And how would you but test you, them for viability, Carol? I know you know this. Well, you'd lay them out on a moist paper towel, a few of them, and then wrap that up and then give it a couple of days in a warm location, open it up, and if they've sprouted, then you've got viable seed. What cracks me up is they say, you know, take about 10 seeds. Well, if it's a packet of tomato seeds, you may only have 10 seeds. So only test two. (laughs) Test two, because here's the thing. Once those are viable, you can plant those and those exact seeds. So just pull them off the paper towel or cut the paper towel around the seed and plant the little seedling inside some potting soil. And away you go. Away you go. But... This is a good time of year to look for sales on seeds. The seed companies are just like every other retailer and trying to get their share of the Christmas money that we're all spending. And so you can pick up uh, gift certificates for a few bucks off that you could then use later in the spring. Nobody says you can't buy yourself a gift certificate. Or, you know, a lot of times off free shipping or 30% off. And these are seeds for next spring. So I would – I – should get going and start looking at some of the seeds that I want to get for next spring because I buy quite a few. Who do you like to buy from pretty often? I buy from everybody. I buy from botanical interest seeds. I buy from burpee seeds. I buy Johnny Select seeds. I buy um, pine pine tree garden seeds, Baker Creek heirloom. I I have a lot of different varieties that I look for, and so it just depends on who has what. Exactly, because, because it depends. I mean, you don't, you don't know exact. well, as long as we've gardened. For example, I know that Burpee has some unusual sunflower seeds that I want, so a lot of times I'll buy a few sunflower seeds from Burpee because I like theirs. Or you can also buy plants from some of these companies. Um, oh, yes. A lot of them are now selling those grafted tomatoes, which we can talk about more in another episode. But I think those are kind of fascinating, and I've grown them a couple of times. Right. Back in the day, we used to have a chain garden center here called Frank's Nursery and Crafts. And I know a lot of listeners will have heard of them. Did you have them in Oklahoma? No, we had Horn Nursery. I think I know where you're going with this. Did you buy your seeds there? Oh, yes, because 
it seemed like on January the 2nd, maybe it was January the 1st, they had an entire aisle full of seeds and they were 50% off. And I would go by myself because I didn't want to be bothered by people saying, are you ready done? I got enough yet. Are you going now? And I would go up and down that aisle (laughs) and I would buy all my seeds (laughs) and I just took my time and I just buy the whole bunch there right the day after New Year's usually. I did the same thing at Horn Seed. I used to love to go there because they had this great big wall behind the registers and it was just seeds, you know, loose bulk seed. And they had everything. I, love I know. Buying bulk seed is one of the great joys of life. It's really cheap. And on top of that, you get varieties that do well in Oklahoma, like turnips that have purple top turnips. That's one of the ones that does so well in Oklahoma, or maybe a particular kind of collard or a particular kind of kale. Um, that that are actually acclimated to our state, and I used to love to go there. And one of the guys always helped me, and he never asked me if I'd gotten finished yet. You know, he'd he'd wait as long as I needed to wait, and it was lovely. That's gone now, yes. though. Horn burned a few years ago, and so they moved on. Well, Frank's went out of business. I don't know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, twenty years ago, as far as I can remember. But I, I love buying the seeds there. I wish somebody else would have a big, 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 big display. Not not like at Lowe's or Home Depot. They have decent displays, but I'm talking like a huge aisle full. That's my kind of retail therapy. Me too. I love going there. And I, I am glad that our local nursery um, carries botanical interest seeds because I love their seeds. But not too many places do. Yeah, our local nursery has some too. I wish they had more of them. Yeah, I do too. I wish they carried the entire line, but they don't they don't ask me. All right. Well we got just a few minutes. Let's talk about for all the best dirt, gifts for gardeners for Christmas. This is part two. We talked about part one last week. Yes, tell me about your gift, Carol. Well, the most expensive pair of pants I own are special pants for gardeners from Duluth Trading Company. And these are awesome because they they are uh, almost waterproof. They wick away the water really easily. And they have pockets on the knees that you can add knee pads. And they've got several different pockets that are deep. So you can put your phone in one. You can put some pruners in one. And so I thought it was a lot of money to pay for a pair of pants. But their gardener pants really turned out to be awesome. So I say get get the Duluth gardener pants now i have a question about those um since they wick away moisture how do they wash up in the wash they wash perfectly wonderful and what about your knees that get all grungy when you're down in the dirt they wash pretty well i mean there's still a few stains but you know i'm wearing them out in the garden and what color are they tan (laughs) tan they're not green no they're tan for those of you who don't know, Carol loves the color green and wears it most of the time. So I'm shocked that she has tan pants. Yeah. Well, I put a green t-shirt with it, then I'm good. Well, and that looks good together, right? Right. How much did you pay for these pants? I think they retail between 80 and $90 a pair. Woo-wee! That is pretty expensive for a pair of pants to play around in the dirt. But I might get some this year because if you like them, I know I'll like them too. You'll love them. What's your gift idea, Dee? 
Well, I actually texted this gift idea to you yesterday, and you were all for it at first, weren't you? I was. I was all excited. I'm like, yeah, I want that. <laughs> I looked at the price. Tell us what it is, D. Okay, so at Terrain, which I like, I like the shop Terrain. We don't have them in Oklahoma, but I enjoy when I'm on trips going in there and at least window shopping, but I usually can't afford anything in Terrain. And I especially can't afford this titanium tool set. It's from Sneebor, which we talked about last time, but this is the titanium version and the cost of this little puppy, what was it? Was it like 500 bucks or no, $698? Yeah. $698. <laughs> so needless to say, I won't be buying that or asking for that for Christmas because what happens to gardener's tools. They get lost. They get left outside. They get dirty. They get grungy. They, you don't want to buy a $700, $700 set of three hand tools. <laughs> so if you well, have you enough. Might. Yeah, you might want to. Um, if you have enough money that you can buy a $700 tool set, then I want to be your friend, and I want you to buy me prezzies. <laughs> I'm with you. And by the way, not only are they made of titanium, they have walnut handles. Oh, you know, I'd just tear those up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we're not getting that, but we do recommend that you buy a good trowel for for yourself. And a good trowel would be somewhere between 25 and $50. Exactly. I think the Sneebor ones are about 50 to $60. and But they're made... They're not the titanium ones, just the regular ones. They're made really, really well, and they're extremely easy to dig with, and I love them. All right. Well, if you do order me that for Christmas, D, do get tracking so we don't lose that package in the mail. And insurance. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about all we have time for today, D. Okay. So what do you know what we're going to talk about next time yet, or are we going to talk about that later? Oh, I got something really good for next time, but I don't want to give away too much because we want people to come back and listen to The Garden Angelus. They can subscribe on iTunes, and uh, they can email us at thegardenangelus at gmail.com if they have suggestions. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. Many ways to reach us. Yes, there are many ways to reach us. And today I shared a quick video on our Facebook page about how to plant a kit amaryllis. For those who have never tried because they felt intimidated, I showed just how easy it is in, in, in less than a minute. One more thing, if you like this podcast, please go on iTunes and give us a thumbs up or stars or whatever they want so that more people will see us. Great. All right. Goodbye, Dee. Bye, next Carol. Time. See you next week over the garden gate. <laughs>